Good to get to be with you on Sundays where I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to talk with you today and be able to worship. I hope that you know that when you come into this place, that's what we get to do. As believers in Christ, we have the opportunity to worship the living God. We get to worship Jesus together. And when we come into this place, we get to celebrate all of who he is and all of it that he's done for us all week long. And so I'm grateful for Joe and Daniel and the guys who lead worship, Brandon and Jamie, all the people who lead worship with us. It's great to be able to be a part of that. Could we just say thanks to them for what they did this morning? I just think that was, it was incredible. Thank you guys so much for doing that. If you would, if you've got a copy of the Bible with you or if it's on your phone, go ahead and take that out and turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 is where we're going to be today. And in Acts chapter 13, I really just want to start with a question, and the question's a really simple one. As you turn to Acts 13, or as you take a look at that, you'll be able to see it on the screen as well. But Acts chapter 13 really reminds me of a question, and the question is a simple one. It's, have you ever been in the right place at the right time? Have you ever experienced that moment where you just know, I'm in the right place, and this is the right time? Have you ever been in the right place at the right time. Now, I'm not talking about those of you who go out and buy lottery tickets and you're hoping, just, I hope I'm in the right place, picking the right numbers at the right time. I was in uh, Spencer's Shortstop when Bruce Neal was running Spencer's Shortstop once, and a uh, guy comes in saying, hey, do y'all sell lottery tickets? And, uh, and Bruce says, no, I don't sell lottery tickets, but I tell you what, if you give me $10, I'll give you $5 back and tell you you won something. And so uh, <laughs> that's not exactly what I'm talking about when I say, have you ever been in the right place at the right time? A few years ago, Londa and I took a trip to New York City, and while we were in New York City, we got to do all kinds of amazing things, and we were at the NBC Commissary. This is before Jimmy Fallon took over The Tonight Show. It was kind of in the in-between time, and we're just, you know, looking at t-shirts and the typical tourist stuff, and one of the... Jimmy Fallon is, is he's filming his dress rehearsal tonight. You guys want tickets to that? They're free. And we said, uh, yeah, we'll take free tickets for that. So we got free tickets for that. We didn't know it at the time, but we actually got the last two free tickets to his dress rehearsal that they had. It was the dress rehearsal before his very first night on The Tonight Show. And because of where our tickets were, we were on the very top row on the very end of the aisle because we were the last two people in the room. And it was awesome because at the end of Jimmy Fallon's monologue, you know, the music goes crazy and the lights go crazy and he comes running up the aisle. And he's coming right at me. He's coming right up the aisle. And so I did this. And he comes running by. He gave this hand a high five. That's right. I have high fived Jimmy Fallon. And I've not washed this hand ever since. It's been awesome. It all happened because I was in the right place at the right time. And one of the things we're going to see in this passage today, we're going to see some really remarkable truths, some incredible principles, is that God is in the business of putting us, you and me, in the right place at the right time. We've actually said it like this before, that God puts all the right people in all the right places to accomplish his purpose in our lives and our community. That's exactly what we see. And I've seen it. I've lived it. I've got friends who have lived it. This has happened inside this church over and over and over again. It's so much fun to be able to tell the stories of the great things God has done in us and through us and sometimes even in spite of us because of that remarkable principle, that remarkable truth that we're going to see lived out today in Acts chapter 13, that God puts all the right people in all the right places to accomplish his purpose in our lives and in our community. 
And so we have a habit when we read Scripture here. We, we like to stand in honor of the reading of the Word. And at the end of that, I'll say, this is the Word of the Lord. And you respond by saying, praise be to God. And so turn with me to Acts chapter 13. And you can read it on the screen if you want to. And out of honor for reading God's Word, if you would just stand with me, that would be great. We're going to begin in verse 13. Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 13. And this is the story of Paul and Barnabas that we'll see today. Now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos... They came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to Paul and Barnabas, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up, and motioning with his hand, he said, Men of Israel... And you who fear God, listen. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Now, if you remember from where Chris was last week, Paul and Barnabas, they were leading out with others in the church at Antioch. They were having a prayer time in the church in Antioch. This is from last week. And during that prayer time, God said something unique to the group of men who were there praying. He said, I want you to set aside Paul and Barnabas. I want you to set them aside because I want them to go here, there, and everywhere to share the gospel with people. I want to send them all over the Mediterranean. I want to send them all over, really, all, all around the world. I want to send them to share the gospel with people. So Paul and Barnabas, they have an assistant with them. His name is John Mark. They go out on what, what in, in the Bible is called the first missionary journey. They're going out to tell people about who Christ is, who Jesus is, what it is that he's done for us, and then the, they, they start beginning churches. And so in this first section of Acts chapter 13, what we see is that Paul and Barnabas, they've arrived in a new location. They've arrived at another town, and it happens to be called Antioch. Now, they were sent out from Antioch, but now they're back in Antioch? No, it's not the same town. It's Antioch and Pisidia. It's kind of like saying, I'm from Miami, Oklahoma, or I'm from Miami, Florida. One's all about the mouse, and the other one's all about the corn, right? So they're, uh, they're different places, uh, but, they're, but they've got the same name. So Paul and Barnabas have arrived in Antioch of Pisidia, and it's amazing what happens. Again, have you ever been at the right place at the right time? They come into a church just like this one. Well, it was really a synagogue. It was a Jewish synagogue. And someone stands up and reads from the book of the law. That means he's reading from something in the Old Testament. And then he reads a prophecy from the Old Testament. Again, prophecy back then wasn't like I'm predicting the future. It was probably something from Isaiah uh, or Jeremiah, somewhere in there. He was reading from the Old Testament. And then, unlike us, instead of a preacher standing up to preach, they knew who Paul was. Paul was someone who had built a reputation... In the Jewish faith, he had been a rising star. In the Jewish faith, he'd built a reputation. And so they send Paul a note, and Barnabas, they send him a note. They say, hey, have you got anything you'd like to tell us? And I think in that moment, they're sitting in their pew, and Paul looks at Barnabas like, hey, they ask us to speak. I wonder what we should talk about. And it's amazing to see what happens next, because Paul stands up, and he shares the gospel with all of these Jewish people in the synagogue. He was in the right place at the right time. Why do you think that happened like that? Well, I think it happened because God's in the business of putting all the right people in all the right places to accomplish his purpose in our lives and our community. And from this passage today, we're going to see two really incredible truths. And I hope that you'll catch these truths. I hope you'll catch what they're all about because if you'll catch the idea behind these two truths, I believe that it'll change the way you live each and every day. 
oh, I think it'll change the way you go to work. I think it'll change the way you play on the ball field. I think it changes the way you attend school. I think it influences everything about the way you see your life and your community. And here's the two very simple principles that we're going to talk about today. It's very simple. God creates divine appointments. That's the first thing he does. God creates divine appointments. And the second thing is that you are an instrument of God's grace. God creates divine appointments and you are an instrument of God's grace. Let's talk about uh, that idea that God creates divine appointments in the first place. What is a divine appointment? What does that mean when I say a divine appointment? It doesn't mean you're going to get your hair done by the perfect stylist. That's not what that means. It's not that kind of appointment. A divine appointment, Walker Moore says it like this. He makes it a math problem. He says a divine appointment is what happens when a willing witness meets a seeking soul. A willing witness plus a seeking soul equals a divine appointment. It's that moment when God takes, takes just a moment and transforms it into something eternal. I have a friend, his name is Brian Waddell, and Brian and I met each other when we were in the third grade. And we didn't really become close friends till we were in seventh grade. In seventh grade, we got to be close friends. And Brian knew that I always went to church, and Brian never went to church. It was just one of those things where Brian just, he just, that wasn't part of what he did. It was part of what me and my family did. And so we hung out together all the time. He was always at my house or I was always at his house. It was awesome in seventh grade because we would walk home from school and my mom would have have two dozen chocolate chip cookies made and we could kill them in about 20 minutes. It was awesome to have that moment like that. And so we just, you know, we did what friends do and it was great. And we always had a good time together. But there was always this moment where I would look at Brian, it would be a Wednesday or it would be a weekend, and I would say, hey, Brian, I'm headed to church tonight. You want to come with me? And man, Brian and I, we were relaxed around one another. We can complete each other's sentences. I mean, we've just known each other for so long. But as soon as I said, hey, Brian, you want to come to church with me? His entire countenance would change. He would go, he would go from being easygoing and, and carefree and let's just have a good time to he would just kind of go inside his shell. It just transformed a little bit. And eventually, I mean, within five minutes of me saying, hey, I'm headed to church, you want to go with me? He'd just find a reason to go home. Isn't that, isn't that amazing how that works? I think that's the effect sometimes of conviction in the lives of people. I didn't ask him a hard question. I wasn't trying to push anything on him. I was just going to be with my other group of friends. They happened to be at church. Maybe that's how you got here today. Maybe you're here today because someone invited you to be here and you're not really sure why you're here. You're not even sure if you buy into this whole church business or this whole Jesus business, but, but you know, you want to go hang out with your friend, but you're really not all into that. And, but there are these moments when you feel this weight or you feel this heaviness or you feel maybe this awkwardness. I know my friend Brian experienced that. Every time I just said something simple like, hey, you want to go to church with me? So we go through 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, and our 11th grade year. And it it happens over and over again. Man, we were close. We had a great time together. And every time I'd say, you want to go to church with me? His countenance would change. And within five minutes, he found a reason to go home. And then one Thursday night, one Thursday night uh, in the middle of the summer, we, we were going to, the, the, some guys from the church and I were going to a friend's house. We were going to go swimming. Uh, this person happened to have a tennis court. It was a really awesome house. And, and so we had decided already to do that. And one of the guys was going to give a little devotional. And, uh, and Brian calls me. He just calls me out of the blue. Hey, what are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm just about to walk out the door. I'm headed to something to, with, with my church. You want to go? And I just knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew he was going to say, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm out. And f- I don't know why. For whatever reason, he says, yeah, I'll go with you. What? 
sure, come on, let's go. So we went over to Guy Tyne's house. And at Guy Tyne's house, we swam for a little bit. We played a little tennis. It was played a little volleyball. It was a lot of fun. And then a guy named Brad Davis takes about 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, to, to share just a little bit of a devotional. And in that devotional, he shares the gospel. You know what the gospel is. It's the truth that Jesus came and he lived a perfect spotless life. He died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And the reason why he did that is because you and I, we have a problem with sin. We know we have a problem with sin. Even if you're not sure about this church thing, or even if you're not sure about this Jesus thing, you know we have a problem with sin because sin is that thing that you've done that hurts you and hurts someone else. You've been hurt by someone else's sin. They've hurt you, and you've ended up hurting someone else because of the mistakes you've made, because of the wrong things you've done. You, you, know, you know about sin. Well, well, the Bible tells us that Jesus died on the cross, and he rose from the dead, and he did that so that we could be forgiven. And Brad shares that simple gospel message after we played a little volleyball and eaten some hamburgers. And then we go home. There was no lightning strike. There was nothing big. Nothing. Brian wasn't any different. The only thing that was different was that Brian that night showed up. <laughs> what an amazing thing it was. Because on Friday, he calls me. And he says, hey, Chad, you know, you know that thing Brad was talking about last night? I said, yeah, what about it? He goes, I think I just did that. I think I just placed my faith in Christ. I, I went back and I reread some of the things he was talking about, and, and I, I'm not sure, but I think I did it. I think I prayed to receive Christ last night. I think I trusted in him. And so I got to talk with him through it, and sure enough, he did. He placed his faith in Christ. And you know why it happened? Because a willing witness, Brad, met a seeking soul, and this divine appointment took place. Brian and I ended up becoming college roommates together. Brian, today, in just a few minutes, actually, will be preaching at Mountain View Baptist Church in Mountain View, Oklahoma. He's a pastor today, and I'm so proud of him. I'm so thankful for him. And it all happened not because I invited him to church and not because I preached the gospel at him, not because I took my big family Bible with the actual picture of Jesus on the front and just kept hitting, it with it, hitting him with it. It didn't happen for those reasons. It happened because... There was this willing witness. Hey, you want to come to church with me? And then Brad shows up and shares the gospel. And there was this seeking soul. And all of a sudden, there's this divine appointment, this divine encounter. And Brian's life has been transformed. It's been changed forever. Let's look back at the passage again, and we can see exactly what happens here. Again, beginning in verse 13, now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and they sat down. And after the reading of the Law and the Prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. You see, here's what happens within those divine appointments. God takes you, and he, allows, he, he meets you where you are. It's really as simple as that. God meets you in a divine appointment. God meets you where you are. That's exactly what happened to Paul. Before Paul was Paul, he had another name. His name was Saul. And like I said a minute ago, he was well-known in the Jewish faith. He was a rising star in the Jewish faith. He was actually so powerful and so prominent and so popular in the Jewish faith that when this new sect of Judaism that they called Christianity rose up, Paul began to believe that Judaism was being threatened by Christianity. So he got letters of authority from the Sanhedrin to go from town to town. He got letters to go from town to town to seek out Christians for the purpose of interrogating them and sometimes torturing them and, and even killing them. 
And he's on one of these journeys, not here. This is a missionary journey. This is after Paul has placed his faith in Christ. But God's in the business of meeting people right where they are. Paul is on his way to Damascus when he's a younger man. He's on his way to Damascus specifically to seek out and interrogate, possibly torture and kill Christians. And while he's on the road to Damascus, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and shows Paul who he is. He says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, Lord, Lord, tell me what I need to do next. And in that moment, a, a willing witness plus a seeking soul equaled a divine appointment, a divine encounter, and Paul's life was transformed forever. God met Paul right where he was. He did the same thing for Peter and James and John and the 12 disciples. You remember that story about how Peter and James and John, they're out fishing. They're just fishing, and Jesus just shows up on the shores of the, Gal of the Sea of Galilee. He shows up on the shores, and he's watching them fish, and he tells Peter, hey, instead of fishing on that side of the boat, why don't you fish on this side of the boat? And Peter catches more fish than he's ever caught before, and Peter and James and John, they come back to the shore, and then Jesus says something remarkable. He says, hey, you think that's something? Come follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. And it says that they dropped their nets, and immediately they followed Jesus. Jesus met them where they were. Paul was met where he were. You know what? God today, he wants to meet you right where you are. A willing witness plus a seeking soul equals a divine appointment. It makes me believe that you're here for a reason today. I don't know what it is. It makes me believe that you'll go to work wherever you go to work or go to school wherever you go to school. You're going to do that for a reason. And somewhere along the way, just as you walk, as you, as you move forward in your daily life, that God's going to meet you right where you are. But he does more than that. God doesn't just meet you right where you are. He empowers your next step of faith. God empowers your next step of faith. It makes me wonder what challenge you're facing right now. What struggle did you bring into this room today? What prayer request have you been praying over and over and over again? I got to know Brian when he was in third grade. We became really close friends in seventh grade, and it wasn't until we were the, 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 the summer of our 11th grade year. It wasn't until then that Brian placed his faith in Christ. I wonder who you're praying for today. I wonder what you're praying about. I wonder what circumstance that you just think is terrible that you face right now today. Because I can assure you, it may be terrible. It may be. But God, today, he wants to meet you in the terrible. And God, today, wants to empower your next step of faith. Maybe in the terrible, you're tempted to cheat on your spouse. Maybe in the terrible, you're tempted to say some things to your kids that you wouldn't believe it when it came out of your mouth. Maybe you're tempted to do that thing at work that will move you further ahead but will ruin your reputation. Might even put you someplace in threat of legal problems. Maybe you're tempted because the situation is just terrible, but can I tell you, in the middle of the terrible, God wants to meet you where you are and he wants to empower your next step of faith. You see, God creates these divine appointments. And the truth is, you're not here by accident today. You're in this room today. You may, it may be an accident to you, but it's not an accident to God. God wants you here in this place this morning because he wanted you to hear this message. He wanted you to hear those songs. He wanted you to meet these people. And wherever he sends you tomorrow, he's got a purpose in mind for you, and his desire is to meet you right where you are and to empower your next step of faith.
You're here for a reason. God creates divine appointments. But that's the next thing we see inside this passage, is that you, those of us who are believers in Christ, you are an instrument of God's grace. You're an instrument of God's grace. It's always been amazing to me to see the way God chooses to work. You know, God is sovereign. He's the powerful controller of all things. He could have chosen any way in the world to share his love, to share his story, to share his grace, to share his purpose with people. He could have chosen any way in the world to do that. And I'm always humbled by the fact, I'm always amazed at the fact that when God decided this is the mechanism I'm going to use to share love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, when I'm going to share the fruit of the Spirit, when I'm going to share the message of the gospel, when I'm going to share this idea that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we can be forgiven of the sin, what's the mechanism I'm going to use to do that? I could choose anything, God says, but God goes, no, 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 wait, I'm not going to choose just anything. I choose you. I choose you to do this. I want you to be the one who carries my grace wherever you go. I want you to be the one who speaks my name. I want you to be the one who shares with others what it means to be forgiven. I want you to be the one who's an example of what forgiveness really looks like. When the world wonders what it looks like to confess, they ought to be able to look to believers, people who are followers of Christ, because we are the carriers. We are instruments of his grace. We are the ones who get to carry that message everywhere we go. And, and I think we can learn from the pattern. I think we can learn from the pattern that, that God gave us. First off, we need to faithfully follow. We need to faithfully follow wherever God sends. Wherever God sends, and we need to go where God sends, and we need to do what God says. It's really that simple. We need to go where God sends and do what God says. That's exactly what Paul and Barnabas did in this moment. I think it's interesting that they sent Paul and Barnabas, that it was God that chose to send Paul and Barnabas out on this first trip. They sent Paul, who is this incredible evangelist, this someone who could stand up and clearly speak the gospel to people in a way that they would understand and they would connect with. And in, those next pas- in that next part of the passage, in verses 16 through 40, we're not going to read those, but in verses 16 through 40, Paul just stands up and he just preaches. And he doesn't start with some esoteric, philosophical, hard-to-understand, difficult-to-work-out idea. He starts with the law and the prophets that they had just read. He starts with the message that these Jewish people had grown up hearing over and over and over again. He takes the time to open up the Old Testament and say to them, Hey, all that stuff that you just read, it points somewhere. It points to the grace of God given through Jesus Christ. This Messiah that you've been looking for, I know who he is. His name is Jesus. What did he come to save you from? He didn't come to just save you politically. He didn't just come to give you political freedom or economic freedom or economic success. He came to overcome the sin in your life. He came to give you a right relationship with God and a right relationship with one another. He came to do all of those things. And so when Paul begins to preach, he doesn't start out in left field. He starts with what they know. He starts with what they know. And you know what? You can do exactly the same thing. I think sometimes we make sharing the gospel something that's far more complicated, far more complicated than it is. It's amazing the ways, the opportunities you have at school and at work 
and at home and in your daily lives to just pour the gospel into people one comment at a time, one prayer at a time. There's a man in our church, his name is Mike Henry, and you hear us talk about him periodically. If you're coming to advance tonight, I would suggest that you ought to attend his class for sure. As adults, you have an opportunity to choose three different classes during advance. His is one of five that you can choose from. Make sure one of his is one of your three. It's a great class. And one of the things that Mike tells in his story, when he tells the story of his faith, is he says, God, when, when he was younger, God, I want to be in the ministry. God, would you, would you let me be in the ministry? I, I would just, please, God, let me be in the ministry. And every time he prayed that prayer, God said, you are. Go back to work. Wait a minute, God. That's not what I mean. I want to be on staff at a church. I want to do, you know, ministry. I want to be in it. I want to do that. God, I want to be in the ministry, Mike would say. And God answered him every time. You are. Go back to work. Tomorrow morning, some of you are going to get up and you're going to go to work. And maybe you hate your job and maybe you love your job. But remember, God puts all the right people in all the right places to accomplish his purpose in our lives and our community. What if the reason you go to work tomorrow isn't because you need a paycheck? Or a promotion? What if the reason God sent you to work tomorrow is because he's arranging a divine appointment right now? And that divine appointment's going to happen with a colleague or a coworker, or a boss or a client. And it's not going to be because you, again, stood up and beat him over the head with the family-sized Bible that's got the actual Polaroid of Jesus on the front. You know, it's not going to be because you took this strong stance and you came down as being extremely judgmental on this political issue or for this candidate or for that candidate. It's going to be because in that moment you demonstrated the grace of God as an instrument of God's grace right where he sent you today, right where you are. You are an instrument of God's grace. Maybe you're going to show up at school tomorrow and one of your teachers this weekend had the worst weekend ever. You don't know why they had a bad weekend. Maybe it's because there's trouble in their home. Maybe it's because financially things aren't working well for them. But as a student, you have an opportunity to be an instrument of grace in that teacher's life. You have the opportunity and the possibility. You have the power in that moment to share the grace of God with people. Actually, I'll say it like this. When we go where he sends and we do what he says, you know what happens? We are instruments of his grace because we can challenge people. We can encourage people to take their next step of faith. We can encourage people to take their next. Maybe what they need is just a reminder that God's with them and God's for them in this moment, and, and you are too. Maybe it just takes you saying something as simple, hey, I'm praying for you. There's a thousand ways you can start this incredible conversation about the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it is that God has done for us. We have a man in our church. His name's James Kirshner. James is sitting right here. He drives a truck for a living, and he's got several friends who drive a truck for a living. And a few weeks ago, James gets a call from one of his friends who's a truck driver up in the Bronx. And this is an awesome story, y'all. His friend who's in the Bronx says, hey, I've got this shipment of 600 pounds of bacon that I cannot deliver because they just won't receive it. You wouldn't happen to know anybody who needs 600 pounds of bacon, do you? You guys know anybody who needs 600 pounds of bacon? I could eat it by myself. I mean, there's that story in Scripture where Jesus says, and greater things you will do than these. I think Jesus meant that I get to eat bacon, and he didn't get to eat bacon because he was Jewish, and I get to do that. So James gets this call from a friend who drives a truck. He's in, the New he's in New York. I've got 600 pounds of bacon. I don't know what to do with it. James remembers 
we have a partnership with a church in the Bronx, Jordan Sauceda and Becky Sauceda. They're up there, and they're doing a great job trying to start this church in the Bronx, and it's incredible. And so James texted Chris. Chris said, hey, Jordan, here's his, tech, here's his, here's his information. And they start talking, and Jordan's like, yeah, I can use 600 pounds of bacon. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I can use it. <laughs> and today, there's 600 pounds of bacon spread out all over the Bronx, one gospel invitation at a time. It's been amazing. Yeah, I think it's, can we celebrate that? I think that's worth celebrating. That's awesome. It's amazing to see what happens when we take the moments God's given us and we just realize that this moment can be a moment that brushes up against eternity. That's what a divine appointment is. It's a moment that brushes up against eternity. And, and James made a phone call. And 600 pounds of bacon gets delivered to a church, and now Jordan and Becky have been taking it to people. Hey, we'd just like to give you this gift of bacon. <laughs> Thanks. You know, that's great. And they strike up a conversation. And it's not like they're taking the bacon to them and going, hey, let me give you this bacon, and while we're at it, could I tell you that you're a dirty, rotten sinner, and you're going to hell? You know, that's... I'm pretty sure that's not their presentation style. I'm pretty sure that's not what they're doing. I think what they're doing is they're handing them their bacon, <laughs> handing them the bacon, and they're saying, hey, I just want you to know, uh, God provides. And I don't know why you needed this bacon or why I needed to give it to you, but God provides, and it starts a conversation. And it may be a conversation like on that Thursday night that Brian had with Brad that leads to him being saved right now. And it might be the conversation that like I had with Brian, where for seven years, I'm saying, hey, you want to come to church with me? I don't know which kind of conversation you'll have tomorrow, but are you ready to go where he sends and do what he says? When it comes time for you to speak the gospel, are you ready to speak it clearly? You've heard me say it several times today, that we have this problem, and it's called sin. It's the stuff that hurts our life. It's the decisions we make. It's the choices we make that hurt us and cause us to hurt other people. And we've been hurt by other people's sins. And every religious system out there, every possible philosophy, not just religion, but every possible philosophy has a solution, a supposed solution to the answer of sin, the fact that we get hurt and we hurt others, the fact that we do it deliberately, that we do it accidentally. But there's only one. There's only one system of belief that says, I sent someone to pay the price for your sin and for mine. I sent someone to take the punishment for you and for me, and it's, it's what this word says in the gospel. Acts chapter 13, in those passages, he continues to preach that. He says, Jesus died in our place. He died in our place to forgive us of our sin. That's the gospel. You can speak that clearly. You know, at the very beginning of this year, we all took this gospel challenge that we would share the gospel with. with, as, with we would try to share the gospel with as many people as are our age. I'm 46 years old. I'm trying to share the gospel with at least 46 people this year. Actually, I think I've, I've, I think I've completed my number. I think I'm, I'm beyond 46 at this point, and I'm excited about that, but I'm going to keep going because it's, it's fun to tell people who Jesus is. It's fun to be an instrument of grace. Do you know how much fun it is to to show up at someone's house and say, I got some bacon for you. It's awesome to be able to do those kinds of things. What are you doing? What are you doing to meet people where they are and to challenge them, to encourage them to take their next step of faith? I do think it's interesting that Paul and Barnabas were the guys that they sent because Paul was this incredible preacher. Barnabas's name means son of encouragement. Maybe God's put you in your workplace. Maybe he's put you in your school. Maybe he's put you on that team because it's your turn to be the son of encouragement 
the one who speaks grace into the hearts and to the lives of people. Let's look at one last passage, Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 42. Beginning in verse 42. So Paul preaches this incredible message, and the thing that happens, that always happens when Paul preaches is there's a response. Some people absolutely love what Paul has to say. They place their faith in Christ, and they want to know more. They actually go out, they tell the whole town about it, and they say, hey, can you come back next week and tell us even more about this? And the Bible says in, in the verses that we didn't read, it says that the whole town showed up to hear what Paul had to say about how, Jews, how, how, how Jesus came to die on the cross and rise from the dead so that we might be, might be forgiven. He, the whole town comes to hear that message. And we see another response in verse, uh, beginning in verse 42. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles, for the Lord has commanded us. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles." that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. I've set you as a light in your workplace. I've set you as a light in your school. I've set you as a light on your team. But did you see the response that took place there? Some of the people, the Gentiles, they were like, I can't get enough of this. I want to hear more. So when you go where he sends and when you do what he says, when you run into this divine appointment that God has set, it's a divine appointment that sometimes people accept and sometimes people reject. You ought to expect that there's going to be a response. You should expect that there will be a response. And in that response, some people are going to say yes, and some people are going to say no. And in Paul's case, in Paul's case, oftentimes it caused him trouble. In Paul's case, sometimes he got thrown in prison. Sometimes he got beaten. Sometimes he got abused to the point that he appeared to be dead or was just flat out dead and came back to life. You should expect that there's going to be a response, and you should be ready. You should be ready for the idea that God is using you to speak grace to his people, and it's changing this moment because in this moment, this moment is brushing up against eternity. God creates divine appointments, and he's set you aside as an instrument of his grace. I don't know what it was about the summer of my junior year. But God was doing something remarkable in my life and in the lives of the people around me. There was a, a man named John McGee uh, who was a good friend of mine growing up. And John played football for Moore High School. And, uh, man, he was great, incredible football player. His younger brother, Chris McGee, was also a football player. And that summer, the summer of my junior year, John's a little bit younger than me. You'll see a picture of, of John and his wife, Pam, up on the screen. Um, that's, that summer, he had never really come to church, and we knew each other because of uh, a band and football and things like that, but we didn't know each other well. He had been coming to the church, and that summer, we all went to camp together. We didn't go to Falls Creek. We went to a place called Mount Lebanon in Texas, and on Monday at Mount Lebanon in Texas, I wasn't even there when this happened. I don't know exactly what happened. It, was, it wasn't during one of the services, because you know it's camp. Oftentimes decisions get made at camp, at camp during the services. It wasn't during a, a nighttime devotional. It wasn't during anything like that. It, 
John was talking with Mike Taylor, our student pastor. He's actually the guy we partner with in, in the UK, in, in Great Britain. And, and John placed his faith in Christ on that day. I'm not sure exactly how it happened. I just know that John placed his faith in Christ. And then John went to his little brother, Chris, and said, Chris, this is on Monday of camp. I got to tell you what happened in my life. And Chris, his little brother who's in the seventh grade, says, yeah, I think I want to place my faith in Christ too. So Chris places his faith in Christ. And by that time, it's nighttime. They go to bed. Tuesday morning, they get up and they call their parents. <laughs> they call their, hey, mom, dad, I got to tell you something. I place my faith in Christ. Let me tell you what that means. It means I know I'm, I've got sin in my life and Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. I know that's why I could be forgiven. And I said, yes. I said, please forgive me of my sins. John's mom and dad on that Tuesday morning placed their faith in Christ. The whole family. But that's only the beginning. Because on Tuesday night at camp, I was about 17. I got to lead worship. I led from behind a keyboard. We had our cabin devotional that night at 10 p.m. Cabin devotional started at 10 p.m. And our pattern was kind of always the same. It's similar to what you guys do today. I sang a couple of songs, and then someone would stand up to give a devotional. And so I sang a couple of songs. The group sang with me. And then Mike Taylor stands up to give the devotional, and he says, I don't think I'm going to do a full devotional night. He just read some scripture a little bit. He said, but here's what I'd like to do. I'd just like for John and Chris, could you guys come up here? And so John and Chris come up, and he says, and it was kind of an interview back and forth. Mike, tell me, tell me what happened yesterday. And so John and Chris just tell the story, the story I just told. John placed his faith in Christ. Chris placed his faith in Christ. And then their parents placed their faith in Christ. And while they're telling that story, it's such a weird thing because everybody was sitting on the floor. We had, we had a bunch of kids. We didn't have any chairs, and so they were sitting on the floor. And so I had a unique perspective because I'm still standing at my keyboard. Mike Taylor said, just stay up there because I don't know when we're going to sing or what we're going to do next. Just be ready. So I'm just standing there, and while John's telling his story, a kid who is sitting right over here, he just gets up and leaves. I mean, leaves the room, just walks out. Well, that's weird. That doesn't really happen very often because the bathrooms were over here, and they were, you know, you could see where... He just left. And about 30 seconds later, someone else got up and left, walked out, and just followed him out. Hmm. That's strange. And then John keeps telling his story, and Mike keeps asking him questions, and then right over here, someone gets up, and they walk to the back of the room. And they're just standing in the back of the room, just kind of pacing a little bit. And then someone else near them stands up and moves to the back of the room. I'm just kind of watching all this thinking, that's kind of strange. And about the time the third person got up and just left, and another person got up and just leaves right after, and no instruction. It just seems very, very odd. About that time, the first two that left come back in, and they go over and they talk to Mike. And now the interview's over, and John's done telling his testimony, and so we did what we always do when there's a space in time, right, in a service like that. Hey, Chad, sing something. Okay. So I, we, we sang another song, and about the time I finished that song, Mike brought, brings the first couple up. And the first person says, yeah, I was just hearing John tell the story of how he placed his faith in Christ, and I just felt this weight, this heaviness in my life, and I don't know what it was. I just had to get out of here. I don't I know what it was. I just had to get out of here. And so he left the room. And the second person said, and so he's still up here telling his story, and the second person says, yeah, I saw, I saw him get up and leave, and I didn't know exactly what to do, but I just felt like I, just felt like I was supposed to go talk to him. So he went and talked to him. And what did I tell him? Well, I told him the gospel. And you know what? He placed his faith in Christ. And then the second pair came up and told the same story. And the third pair came up and told the same story. 
and then the fourth pair, and then the fifth pair, and then the sixth pair. From 10 o'clock till nearly 1 in the morning, that pattern happened. I had a unique perspective on it because I'm behind the keyboard the whole time, and it was almost, it was just almost like the Holy Spirit was walking through the congregation, tapping someone on the shoulder going, what he's talking about, you need it. And they didn't understand it. And they didn't know what to do with the weight or the heaviness or the awkwardness or the feeling, and so they just got out. And then the Holy Spirit would move to the next person and just tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, they, they need you to help them understand something. Why don't you just, why don't you go talk to them? And they did. It was Tuesday night at camp. And over and over and over again, it's, it was like he was moving in a circle through the crowd. And I just watched as God, well, as a moment in time, brushed up against eternity. And God set this incredible divine appointment. He just set it loose right in front of my face. And you're here today, and this is one of those moments. So I'd like to ask if everybody would just take a moment to bow your head and close your eyes. You're going to have an opportunity to respond to the gospel. And maybe right now the Holy Spirit's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, that message of grace that comes through Jesus Christ, that's what you need. Maybe you don't understand it. Maybe you want to reject it. Maybe you want to know more about it. There'll be people at the front you can talk to about it. You could actually do exactly what happened on that Tuesday night. You could just get up and leave, and I'm sure someone would be happy to talk to you about what it is that you're feeling right now. And maybe, maybe that's how you need to respond to Christ. Maybe you're a believer in Christ already, and, someone, and, and you feel the Holy Spirit, He's tapping you on the shoulder. And right now, He's saying to you, there's someone you need to talk to. They're in this room. Maybe they're not in this room. Maybe you need to leave and make a phone call. But you are an instrument of God's grace, and God right now is creating a divine appointment for His purpose in your life, in our community. And as we sing, it's an opportunity for you to respond.